Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Hello, my friends. If you tuned into last week's episode featuring part one with Jonathan Jackson, actor, performer, author, and entrepreneur, then you're going to love part two of today's episode. Jonathan Jackson, just as a reminder, if you missed part one, please tune in and listen to it. The link is in the show notes. But Jonathan Jackson was a star on the hit show Nashville and also a child actor on the good old soap opera General Hospital. He has a fascinating life story and he does such a beautiful job of blending his faith with his life's work. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of part two with Jonathan Jackson on The Business of You. When I look at your body of work, you know, just looking at your your online profile, it seems like you've, and correct me if I'm wrong of this interpretation, but it seems like you've really made orthodoxy a real part of your identity. And um, and again, like in the way that you communicate that online, like you've written books about orthodoxy, you have a, a school called mm-hmm. Theodia, right, which mm-hmm. is... Um, I, I think there you try to tell s- stories, maybe grounded in the faith. And again, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's but, a basically uh, a film school. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- you know, that's a that's a big change or shift or like a big flag to really put in the ground in your 30s, early mm-hmm. 40s, right? Mm-hmm. So, so why? You know, I'm really curious to know why that is um and you know and how do you see that evolving say for you Mm. too in the next four or five years right yeah um i mean the why is a very difficult question i guess to answer um i would say that um there's an element of that i feel like has always been there um even before my family and i journeyed into um the orthodox faith um, even as a teenager, as I said, I was, you know, I, I had these deep experiences with Christ and I love, you know, to me, theology is beauty. It's poetry. It's, it's not dry intellectual things. I, I don't like arguing with people about things. I, I don't really believe in that. You know, it's, um, Christ is, is not for me, is it's not about a religion. It's about life. It's about uh, all of those other things I mentioned. So, you know, when I was younger, um, I, I happened to be in a position once in a while, uh, you know, at an award show, let's say, where I had 30 seconds to say something. And I would, you know, the, 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 I would want to say something of, of just thanking 
and not just thanking God in a vague way, which happens a lot, but specifically Christ. And, and um, so that was there the whole time, you know, becoming Orthodox was really just a continuation of that. Um, I, it, I don't know. It's like this thing inside me. I can't, I, I, I'm, I don't have any connection, uh, visceral connection with fundamentalist Christianity. I'm, I'm sort of very opposed to it. Um, you know, and equally opposed to the sort of postmodern, uh, progressive Christianity as well, which both of those extremes are just kind of, I think, missing, uh, the, the, the grace and truth balance, but yeah, so it's, it's, uh, I look at art and poetry and storytelling um, as, as all one reality. And for me, Christ is the great storyteller. He is the eternal uh, poet. He is the, you know, um, he's the master of story. There, you can't get um, a greater story um, than the story of, of Christ. Um, you can't, the, the, the beauty, the tragedy, the triumph, um, you know, as uh, Tolkien talks about it, he kind of made up a word for it because it, it, he, he, it was so incredible. He had to make up a word, you catastrophe, which is kind of like this, this beautiful or good catastrophe. And that's kind of what the story of Christ is. And in some sense, I feel like that's what our lives are. They're sort of, hopefully they're not a catastrophe. They're a you catastrophe where they're a kind of a beautiful catastrophe that ends in the resurrection. You know, it doesn't end, but there is, the cross is there. And so when I'm looking at uh, music or storytelling or films, you know, any of that kind of stuff, this is that I can't see the world really, or my own experience outside of the beauty and the challenging reality of uh, of Christ. So I'm drawn towards artists like Dostoevsky uh, for that reason. I feel like, you know, brutally honest, uh, showing the, the, the darkness of the human condition, but not from a nihilistic, um, ultimately from a nihilistic place. You can have characters that, you know, uh, have that perspective, but, um, and, you know, again, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. George MacDonald, uh, Shakespeare, mm -hmm. all artists that, um, you know, and it's so funny in our day and age because they, it, it, it's, it, it always used to be like this. I mean, everyone, you know, painting or sculpting or writing music was, was desiring to give glory to God. Um, so I just kind of, orthodoxy has helped me as well see the whole world as a sacrament. So it's kind of, there's no distinction. I don't, I don't want there to be a distinction between the conversation I have with a friend over coffee, you know, um, the, and, and the, the hours on Sunday morning where I'm at the liturgy. I don't, there is, and there isn't, but I want there to be one unifying prayer. Um, that's not kind of putting our lives into, uh, convenient little sections. Yes. So that's the that's the same thing with the art and the projects yeah. on the website. Yeah. Like and you know, at this point it's like these are the things that inspire me the most. These are the things that you know that I get excited about.
Um, and again, it's like, I don't feel like every project has to be overtly religious uh, in, in any way, shape or form um, to be beautiful or to be honoring. To, I just want it to have some kind of meaning, you know, some kind of um, honesty about the human condition. But if it's a, if the story is about, you know, a monk, if it's about then great, then be honest about it. And, you know, let's, right. People might be interested in what their life is like, or, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So true. Can we switch gears a little bit and kind of talk about the business behind your, sure your ecosystem that you've established? Yeah. So you, you monetize um, your livelihood, I'm assuming, you know, still through acting, right? Mm-hmm. You're still, you're performing. It looks like your band is going on another tour soon. Um, yeah, this year it's, right? it's a tour with the Nashville cast. Um, oh, that's um, we're right. We're still looking to schedule stuff with the band, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that'll be fun, huh? Mm-hmm. Almost like a reunion. I yeah, used to love exactly. that show as a, as yeah. a kid. Nice. And then Theodia, how does that um, fit into your kind of day to day? Is it is mm-hmm. like school per se in session certain times of the year? And right, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of those things are going on, and you know, and as well, uh, writing screenplays and books and things like that. Um, the schedule with the the film school uh, has been uh, three months a year. Um, so far, it's been January through March. It might change next year because of some other projects going on in the spring. So, you know, there's three months there. We have a an online uh, for another 12 weeks, but it's it's, it's uh, only once a week. So it's kind of low key. Um, and so, yeah, I have a tour, you know, in, in the fall in the UK um, coming up and just released a new book called The Heroine of Hell. Um, which is an epic poem about Christ's descent into Hades. Um, and and then, you know, like I said, writing, so developing some projects as well, a mini series and things like this. So um, it's, it's really all of those things um, kind of combined. I mean, I've really moved away from, you know, when I was younger, it was looking at it as acting as the central focus in terms of, uh, you know, income. Um, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall a long time ago that that wasn't going to really be enough, uh, for my soul. And so, you know, developing the music, developing the writing and everything was a way of looking, looking to the future and saying, and I'm very thankful that that happened because now, you know, as I'm, I'm still acting here and there, but uh, it's not quite as central as it used to be. And so I'm able to engage with the world, you know, these other ways. And, and, um, I've been working on, you know, writing for, you know, nearly, I guess, 20 years almost now. So, um, it's something we've encouraged our kids too. It's like, you know, if, if you have interests, uh, outside of the one thing you're focusing on, then yeah, I mean, you don't know later on in life where those things might come in handy. If you, you know, work on having a few different um, ways of, of, uh, expressing, uh, you know, and the cool thing is they all do kind of connect at, at the end of the day. Um, so I've, I've tried to, uh, w- develop projects that can exist in a few different ways. So, uh, 
The Heroine of Hell, for instance, is a book. It's an audio book. We did, I did an original soundtrack for it. Um, so there's a music component. We're doing live events, you know, uh, connected with that as well. Um, there's another project that's a novel um, that my brother and I have um, adapted into uh, a screenplay uh, to make into a film. But we also did a double album of music connected with that project. So we're trying to create things where, you know, the music, the the film, the book, it's all kind of almost a, a little bit more of a immersive um immersive artistic projects where if if people respond to it and connect with it they can go oh i can also you know listen to this uh music mm-hmm. that's uh, thematically connected with it mm-hmm. um, the the feel that i get from you your energy feels like very um things kind of happen like you're very thoughtful but i feel like grace like really plays a big role in your life it just seems like one thing kind of flows into the next and but yet the way you just described like we have um a book and then we Mm -hmm. have music that reinforces the book and then we want to make it into a major motion picture it also seems extremely strategic so (laughs) i'm just wondering for you like what leads like when you think and maybe you're talking with your brother and you say, hey, let's, I'm inspired to do it, uh, something on X. Yeah. Do you think about it strategically first or does this creative like right. windstorm kind of take yeah. over and you'd write and then you do the yeah. music and. Yeah, I, I'm probably the latter um, more so definitely. I mean, it's the, these things have developed over the years. Like we didn't really set out understanding that we're, we're, we're kind of still barely coming to grips with, you know, we've been working on projects, like I said, for, you know, 15, 20 years. And one thing is I, I, I have somehow, uh, by God's grace, been pretty patient about things. Like for instance, the heroine of hell, um, you know, it was 13 years from when I first began writing that. And I had a finished version at least 10 years ago, but I just waited and waited and waited and kept, you know, uh, hopefully improving it getting feedback and working on it. But there wasn't a rush. It was this sense of, I don't feel like it's the right time yet. I don't feel like it's the right time yet. And now it's, it's really felt like the right time. Um, so there is a strange kind of tension between, as you said, kind of the, the, maybe the flurry of inspiration and and creating things, but then also just waiting and saying, yeah, I don't know. We we have four albums that we've, you know, made and not released yet that we're just waiting for the right time. Um, For E-Nation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Well, through some with E-Nation, some kind of solo projects, but, um, and, and other, you know, probably another handful of books that have, you know, already kind of been written and I'm just waiting. So there's, there is a lot of, and screenplays as well. So we're just, it's kind of like, in some sense there, we don't know what we're doing really. (laughs) (laughs) Know what I mean? Like there's a reality to that, but having said that, it doesn't mean there isn't a lot of thought and intentionality and prayer and vision. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just whatever ends up happening is very different than what we think we're doing. (laughs) 
Um, so we're trying to be flexible. Um, I think mm -hmm. it was the filmmaker Tarkovsky says something brilliant about that, which he basically said, you know, uh, uh, being inflexible, the hardness is, is more connected to things that are dead. You know, newborns are, are pliable and flexible. And mm -hmm. so there's that sense of wanting to be open uh, to what's happening and, and kind of stay present. And there's mm -hmm. a real paradoxical thing with that because it's like working so hard and being very disciplined and dedicated and, and simultaneously having this sense of being ready to completely abandon it and go, maybe, maybe that's not what should happen. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and then, the, uh, a lovely, um, uh, uh, friend, uh, who would, you know, has been in business for very many years brought this to my attention, which was interesting. I'd never heard of this. So he said to me, um, he said, you know, I, uh, looking at what you're doing and everything, he said, you're, you're an intrapreneur. And, um, I had to look the word up. I, I, I didn't know what that meant and I didn't, didn't even know it existed, but it's, I guess someone who's working within a company, let's say, who is given the permission to create things without any thought of the the monetization of it. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of true. That's been a bit of the dynamic. It's like, I'm, I'm not really thinking about, and every time we've, we, my, my brother and I in particular, whenever, whenever we've tried to overthink things towards the monetization, it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel right to us. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. over the years I've learned um, more and more to just really focus on the art itself and let that be the driving factor and, mm -hmm. and let everything else kind of work itself out. Yeah. Uh, that, that's been a better path for, for us mm -hmm. than trying mm -hmm. to create because ultimately um, you know, like, like if it's music, for instance, like, you know, having a, a top 20 hit or whatever, it's whenever we've gotten close to that, we've signed record deals, we've had, you know, songs on the radio and things like this, but it just, it really wasn't what we were after. Um, it would always feel very empty. And so I get much more excited about, you know, we had a book launch for the heroine of hell and very small, you know, about 40 people in a, a, a beautiful Irish pub here in Nashville. And there was something about the authenticity and intimacy of an event like that, which felt so much better to me than a lot of the bigger, uh, you know, venues and things that we've done over the years. So um, there's a lot of counterintuitive things going on right now in terms of business. Um, I don't know what it means really, honestly, from, from the business standpoint. Um, and I probably do need to be surrounded by some people that have more of that business mindset. My brother certainly does. I mean, he runs a mm -hmm. marketing branding company. Mm, okay. Um, because I think without that, I would, I just struggle with social media and things like that. Right. So I need help. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You have a brother that does that. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned that. You, you know, work on projects for a long time sometimes, but it does, mm -hmm. and then you're, you're get a sense of when to release them, when to launch them. Mm -hmm. What is that? How, what would, how would you define that? Is that intuition? Is that 
it's intuition. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not to say they're always on target. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I wait too long. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's so many considerations that go into it. A lot of it, I think, is, you know, as a writer, I want to live in it for a while. I, I'll go away from it, you know, and come back six months later. I'll, I'll rewrite. I'll go away from it. Two years later, I'll come back. I'm a, I'm a, a different person, I guess. I, I've, you know, so it's almost a, a testing thing where there's a, a, a maturation process with, with a, a particular work where I feel like, okay, I've lived enough of my life to correspond to the intention of the work. And so the, the lived experience is finally matching the intent of the work. And at that point, it's like, okay, if the heroine of hell, for instance, I started writing that when I was uh, a catechumen and, and had just you know been reading Christian history for four years prior to that. And it just, I felt like I need to live this faith. Uh, so it, it was felt like the right thing to, you know, spend another 10 years living it and, and then going back to it. And, and even if I was only changing 10% of it, that 10% was really important. And I have a different sense of peace around, you know, finally putting it out there because I've kind of done the, the due diligence, uh, of again, kind of, you know, living life, um, so it's, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, is that the project you're most excited about right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we just released it, you know, the end of February. Um, and yeah, very excited about it. It's um, it's a very personal, you know, project. Um, and in this time, in this day and age, I mean, um, I, I would say the the sort of main theme of it is the lengths um, to which love will go to kind of rescue us from our own madness and our own chaos. And um, so, you know, it's an epic poem. It's uh, there's a lot of kind of envisioning different things, but, but it's very much theologically connected to, you know, um, um, a, a patristic, you know, vision of, of Christ and a, a scriptural, uh, reality anchoring of it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that the concept of, you know, this is a big concept, the concept of hell in the West has, has most people in the West only have one kind of feeling around it, which is that God gets angry at us and, and, you know, damns us to hell. And, the Orthodox view is so much more beautiful. And it's, I, I heard a homily years ago from Father Thomas Hopko, uh, where he said that even the flames of hell are God's love. You know, this is not God punishing in a, a vindictive way. This is the same sun that um, melts wax, hardens clay. And so it's, it's, the love of God experienced by a soul that wants uh, to be close to, to, to God, to love. Uh, the, the flame of his love is experienced as a warmth, as a purification, as a, you know, kind of divine illumination. Whereas um, 
that same flame of love experienced by a soul that is is um, rejecting beauty, goodness, truth, love, that same flame is going to feel like a burning, like a torment. And so the poem is really, it's, it's hopefully, uh, the intent anyway, was to magnify the mercy of God, to magnify the love of Christ, to magnify this, um, the Christ, as we say, is the lover of mankind. You know, he is, and and to show, to show, to glimpse the cosmic kind of reality that oftentimes is overlooked in the Gospels. It's you know, it, it, Christ is obviously the the Lamb led to the slaughter and and meek and, but in the Book of Revelation we see him as a warrior. You know, riding on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood and a sword. You know, coming out of his mouth. And so he is also that he is also the hero mm-hmm. of heroes and and the mm-hmm. great you know uh, ruler of the cosmos. And so <clears throat> his descent into Hades uh, touches upon that reality, and that's why it's so mm-hmm. important in history and and in the church. And so the poem is hopefully you know uh, again some kind of you know. I guess contemplation or mm-hmm. or magnification of that hour and that beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It strikes me as I I look back on you know my notes and looking at your career and then also our conversation today that you um, you live kind of this dual role artistically in this maybe it's not a role but mm-hmm. there's a part of your work that is externally validated like mm. winning the Emmys. Um, getting up on a stage and performing at a live concert, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much external validation. Yeah. And then this project that you describe, or maybe mm-hmm. Theodia or some of your other works of art that you're, you're, you know, are sitting on the shelf waiting to come to light. Yeah. Um, those seem to be more driven by internal validation. Right. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. does the, the external piece, like when you get on a stage with your, said you're about to go on tour again. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like to you right before you go on a stage? Like, do you still get nervous? Is Do you get up there and, and, you know, channel this very like spiritual kind of grounded personality of yourself? I'm just mm-hmm. curious to know what goes on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's different depending on the environment. Um, yeah. Performing is a very interesting thing. I mean, I would say that um, I, I tend to stress myself out um, in preparation of things. And that probably just comes from, from my childhood. Um, once I've put the preparation time in, then by the time I'm performing, I'm, I'm 99% of the time not nervous. Um, and that's with the knowledge that I know I could still mess up. And I know I, something could, but, I, but I've, for the most part, reconciled myself to have peace about that, that worst thing for me is to not be prepared Mm -hmm. because that's on me. So if I'm not prepared and I go out there and mess up, that is horrible. But if Mm -hmm. I'm prepared and I go out and it doesn't go well, okay, whatever. I did my job. I put the time in and, and in 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 a spiritual sense, it's the same thing where it's, there's a prayer, you know, inside of giving, giving this, you know, moment as an offering to God and in whatever capacity, uh, it might be. And there's also a lot of peace in that. So 
over the years, I think a lot of the peace and performing really comes down to uh, it's that internal reality of this is this isn't I'm a bit of there are some people who are entertainers and I have a lot of respect for them. And I look at them with a kind of I'm almost awe because I don't understand it. I don't under that concept of entertaining, which is weird because I'm a performer, but I just don't look at it as performing. Um, you know, acting, for instance, instance, I ultimately don't look at it as performing. I, I look at it as, you know, people say, oh, it's, you know, acting is lying. You're, you're, and I said, no, it's telling the truth. That's the way I look at it. It's telling the truth about, um, you know, a, a parable or a, a character. And music kind of has that a similar quality. There's, um, you know, like Bob Dylan would say, the highest form of song is prayer. Um, and it's it's true, I think. So um, the the more the closer I get towards like performing, the more strange I feel, and the closer I get to um, whatever that other thing could be called. I don't know exactly. Uh, th- that I feel much more comfortable there, which is just you know, um, I, expressing something. I've learned over the years that you know. It's the moments when the music or the story or whatever it might be is 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 just connecting with someone's soul and heart. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's the stuff that that I care about. Um, yeah. Yes, I you know it'd be great if they have fun and they're entertained, but I would I would have been long gone from this whole thing if that was all there was was a sense yeah. of um, pop music and if I had to sing about that kind of stuff. I would just not do it at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what's next on the horizon for you? You've got this great no, new book out mm-hmm. that I, I hope everyone listening goes out and buys. And Yes. And um, well, um, this year, yeah, it's the Heroine of Hell. Um, it's the Nashville reunion tour in the UK. Uh, we do have a couple shows in the States, in Chicago, and then also uh, in Nashville uh, in September. Um there's a film project that is, you know, uh, might happen um, in the fall as well overseas. So um, waiting to kind of finalize that. And then in the meantime, there's just a lot of writing. I'm almost a bit, um, I'm a bit overwhelmed with the amount of writing projects at the moment. So I'm trying to kind of, because I, I just finished the film school not that long ago and that had my full attention. So now that I'm I'm looking at the possibilities with writing. Uh, I need to kind of prioritize that and figure out mm. how to not go mad. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> Where is the best place for people to learn about you, Jonathan? Learn about the tour, buy the book. Would it be your website? Well, the book is on Amazon um, and there is an audio book there as well. Um and uh, jonathanjackson.com, I think, is probably the best place, the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the main things. I I will be releasing the soundtrack for The Heroine of Hell uh, in the next, you know, couple months, probably. Awesome. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll put all the links in the show notes. And it's been so great hearing your story and your in your journey. So thank you for being on today. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. 
If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.